Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Basquiat of NBA podcasts, because I have no good reason. I just love Basquiat, but maybe someday you'll get to come visit me in a cemetery. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is February 2nd, Friday night, and uh, yeah, it's been a minute. I'm sorry. My audio has just been all over the place between audio problems, which I'm still having. It's ongoing. And scheduling problems and me working for a living way too much. Uh, it's been difficult to get this out. Fortunately for you, you can also hear me on the Dunktales podcast, which I've been doing with Snotty Drippin, uh, a.k.a. James Hollis. Or it should be the other way around, but I think most people know him as Snotty. Uh, we do that once a week, too. So catch us over there. Um, they're, it's a good podcast. This last week was hilarious. Um, and thanks for all the Twitter questions, by the way. Anyway, that's not this podcast. This podcast is just me talking to my friends. Um, and ways to get in touch with the show. You can email me at thesuperflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at Joe Borelli. You can tweet at the show at superflightpod. You can follow on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, what did I miss? Everything. You can follow on Facebook and you can go to the Superflight podcast.com and you can i don't know you can do everything it's just do it and please rate and review on itunes so that it'll get the show up the charts and everybody else will be able to find it and uh blah 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 anyway it's story time right so what am i going to talk to you guys about this week i have no idea um there's not much to say there's it's winter time i have a really hard time getting myself out of the house in the winter just because i'm a big wuss I, I, I barely run in the winter because it's too cold and I, I'm a big wuss. And uh, I mean, whatever. I just don't like running in the cold. It sucks. I don't like it. It's, it's, I would much rather run in the heat. Don't ask me why. It's way harder to breathe in the heat. Um, but I, I know, whatever. I like running in the heat. I like being hot. I like being in the warmth. Winter, man, I don't know why I live in the Northeast. I should really move to California or something. I don't know what I'm doing here. Anyway, but you know what I do notice about myself? I don't know why I was thinking of this. I'm one of those guys you might notice from listening to me, if you listen to me. Um, when I was younger, I always thought my grandfather, right, my dad's father, he, he, was, he was this Italian guy from, from the old country, and he came over when he was a teenager. And he had a very hard life. His father left him and his brothers in Italy when he was, like, young. His, my grandfather's mother died when he was eight. Um, his, his father remarried. His father was a real ass apparently, because he left his kids in, in Italy and he moved to America with his new wife. I guess when my grandfather was about 16, uh, my great-grandfather sent for him and he came over. Um, so whatever. And like my grandfather, he was an angry man. Like I, it, And the apple doesn't fall from the, far from the tree. My dad's also angry and, and I'm a pretty angry guy too. My dad's not so bad. But, um, but when I was a kid, my grandfather, I just couldn't understand like how he knew everyone. He was a really friendly guy. He was he was angry, yes, but he was also a super friendly guy. Like he loved people. He loved talking to people. He loved interacting with people. He was very involved in his church and he was very involved in his neighborhood. There was a nursery school that was right next to my grandparents' house when I was a child and they it was the Humpty Dumpty Nursery School, right? And they had this lamb for the for the kids. And um, I forget what the it was lamb chop. They called it the lamb lamb chop. My grandfather would always bring home lettuce for lamb chop. Just like every day he would go to whenever he would go to the grocery store or the market, as they would go, 
he would bring home just like leftover lettuce and he would feed lamb chop. And I don't know. So he was on a first name basis with everyone he knew. And as a child, I was incredibly impressed with that. And I was, I was always bewildered. I was like, how does grandpa know everybody? How does grandpa know this guy and this guy and this gal and this, this person? And like, he has people over for dinner. And like, I don't understand what's good. How does he know these people? Um, and it just always boggled my mind. I just, I just didn't understand. You know, I've turned into my grandfather in certain ways. I am friends, not friends, but I, I know everybody in my neighborhood on a first name basis. I walk into the corner store and it's Eddie, what's up? And he's like, Hey Joe, what's happening? And I, you know, I go to another place and, and like, I don't know how I do this, but I know people's names. They know me when I come in. I mean, maybe it's because I'm an ultimate creature of habit and I don't do anything exciting, but walk around my neighborhood and, and, and eat, um, which, you know, it's kind of cool. But yeah, I'm one of those people. I, I don't know if I should be impressed by my ability to do this or if I should just uh, stop going to places so much that I go to all the time. I don't know if I should be embarrassed or if I should really like uh, own this. But maybe one day when I grow up and be a grandfather, my grandkids will think the same thing of me too, right? Um, never going to grow up. Anyway, I don't really have any good stories for you guys and gals this week, except for that little, you know, anecdote about my grandfather. He passed away when I was 13. So, you know, it's been a long, long time, but I still remember him uh, as being a very popular dude. The, the, the sad thing is, too, like, you know, it's funny when you grow up around people. I don't know why I'm talking about my childhood to you guys. I'm just laying it all out there for you. I know a lot of you that listen uh, have immigrant parents and, and uh, are from different countries. And when you come to this country, and I feel I didn't realize this be because I grew up around my grandfather. He was a very Italian man who had a very thick Italian accent. I never knew this. I did not know it. Again, he died when I was 13. Um, but I was talking to my father one day, and he was telling me about how, like, Americans can suck, man. Americans are real assholes sometimes. They take any little sucky thing or they take any little difference about you. And because they're so insecure and because they're so afraid of change and so afraid, and by the way, this is exactly why we're in this political climate, but we're not going there because they're so, uh, you know, and it's not just here. I mean, it's everywhere in the world. There is tribalism. There is nationalism. There is, you know, people are afraid of change and they're afraid of, uh, people that are different than them. And what you, you, what you don't understand, you fear, or you make fun of. And so I didn't know this, but, I was talking to my father about my grandfather one day and he was like, Oh yeah, guys used to make fun of him at work all the time for his accent. And it just floored me. I was like, what do you mean his accent? He's like, yeah, his, he had a really thick Italian accent. I was like, he did, which just blew me away because you know, I grew up around the guy. I never knew him to have an accent because it was normal to me. Right. Um, I don't know. It was just weird, but it just made me think about how, how tough it must've been for a, you know, to, to emigrate to a different country and, and settle in and, and raise a family and all that stuff. And like, you know, people pick on you for no reason. People suck, but having the, like he overcame all of that. And still, despite having people like not like him or, or, or think he's a clown or make fun of him because he was different than them. He still became one of the most popular guys that I've ever met. It's pretty incredible. And, uh, I guess in a lot of ways, I'm sort of happy to be like, like him, like my grandfather. I'm also named after him. So there you go. Um, so call me Grandpa Joe if you want. In any case, uh, I'm done talking. And uh, David Fernandez is going to come on, who does the uh, Inside the Cylinder podcast and uh, good friend. And 
you don't hear this part, but after we got off the podcast, we hung out for another good hour or so watching the Sixers game online and getting a little tipsy drinking. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. So thanks, David, for coming on. I had a really great time. Uh, we should do that again sometime soon. And yeah, cool. So you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. We talk about Blake and we talk about all kinds of stuff. But uh, in the meantime, after these messages, we'll be right back. David Morning. Fernandez, welcome back to the Super Flight. How you doing, buddy? Good to be back. I'm doing well. Um, good, no good. F- I'm acting like we didn't just talk for 15 minutes off off air. Yeah, <laughs> well, you tried to help me with my audio problems. Still unsuccessful. We didn't talk basketball, so this is kind of a new conversation. That's true. We just talked about life and and how your life is way better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about art. Mostly, yeah. we did talk about art. You're the only like you're the one of the few people I could actually have that conversation with on because nobody gives a shit about art, man. We all we're all here for sports. That's it. We love basketball. Art stuff's fun. I mean, I know it's more of your work, so it's pro- maybe not yes. fun. Isn't maybe the it's, word I should be using? It's become less fun for me these days. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I always it's it's an interesting world, and it's it's definitely interesting. It's definitely super fast paced and. You know, there's there's a lot there's a lot to learn with it, and it's it's yeah I'm it's fascinating to me honestly. It's it's fascinating. Tell what's that document you were telling me about? Blurred uh, line. documentary. Yeah, it's, on, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's blurred lines. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's an expose about the modern art world, and it's you know talking a lot about the finance structure, the just all the major players in the game, and it, it just gives you a pretty pretty clear breakdown but also there's such a veil of i guess just like secretness Mm -hmm. when it comes to you know pricing and cuts and just how this whole like economy which is like completely unregulated kind of survives and and you know no one really cares because it's it is and it's not it's getting more regulated all the time they're and it's I, I can't I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to talk about my job but let's just say that it's making my life more and more difficult and harder and yeah, I don't get paid right. enough. <laughs> so you're so you're like a you're like a Trumpian when it comes to anti-regulation of the art world. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't go that far. Not necessarily no, know, at all. I, I, I can't talk about it anyway. <laughs> no, no, I, know. I don't want to get you fired somehow if they're like one of your bosses, a big Blake Griffin fan, and yeah. uh, they just want to they're just searching the webs for Blake Griffin podcast. My boss, the boss, uh, I don't think she cares. So I'll leave it there. Um, I don't right. even think she knows who Blake Griffin is, so it's fine. Anyway, David, let's talk about let's talk about Blake Griffin. Let's talk about this crazy trade. I have a whole rundown of things I want to talk about. Did you, first of all, did you have any inclination that this trade was going to happen? Because not to go on, but I had no idea. I did not see this coming. And like I talked about it earlier in the year and I thought the best thing they might be able to do is if they're going to break it and if they're going to blow it up, just blow it up, trade everybody, get rid of Cause when earlier in the year, when they talking about trading Deandre Jordan, I was like, if you're going to do that, you have to get rid of Blake too, even though you just signed him in this five year, a hundred and something million dollar contract. You're, if you're going to blow it up, you got to blow it up. And for me, I was stuck in between like, it's okay to have a team that makes the playoffs every year and maybe gets to the second round. It's not the worst thing in the world, which is exactly what the Clippers have been for the last five years. But 
Also, if you want to swing for the fences, it's a really difficult thing to do. So I was like, I don't I don't know that they're going to blow it up. I actually, at the end, came to the consensus with myself, as I was talking to myself in the mirror, as I usually do, that <laughs> that they were going to keep it together. And they were just going to, you know, they were they were looking like they were going to get in the playoffs. Blake came back healthy. They got Milos back. And, like, it was looking like it was chugging along. And then, out of nowhere, for me, this trade happened. Did you see it coming? Did you have any idea this was going to happen? No, I you know I I'm just in the same boat as anyone else. I I was floored when I saw it going down. Um, partly for for what you were saying, you know, I I thought just like what was being reported this whole time was that it was going to be DJ was going to be the one that was going to be flipped. If anything, um, you know, they just signed Blake to this contract, so usually when you're re-signing your franchise cornerstone, the guy that you built everything off of, that, you know, that's going to be the the main guy that you keep around and then you try to build around him, but that's obviously not what happened here. So I didn't see it coming. And, and honestly, when it was all breaking down, it was, you know, going off on Twitter. I, I saw some of the stuff from Adrian Wojnarowski, um, and it wasn't like the standard – Pistons trade talks where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this clearly happened a week and a half ago and it's old news and it's not going to happen. It was like, oh, talks are escalating. Like th- this thing's going to happen. And when those types of conversations or those types of tweets are going out from Adrian Wojnarowski, it's like I texted my co-host in just quick plug. I'm, I'm uh, the host of Inside the Cylinder, the Detroit oh, yeah, Pistons. We, <laughs> we forgot that part. Sorry. Hey, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? <laughs> uh, yeah, Inside the Cylinder, uh, Detroit Pistons podcast. I host that with my uh, co-host, Joey Mack, um, and then DetroitBadBoys.com. I write for, for them. Um, great team over there, by the way. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I'm texting my co-host. I'm like, I think the Pistons are going to get Blake Griffin. And then all of a sudden it happened, and I was just – you know, I honestly didn't even know how to feel about it for a solid, you know, couple hours. I just kind of had to just, and I still, even now, it's still kind of fuzzy and hazy listen, and weird to see him in the in a, in a jersey. Listen, man, you're at the right place for for feelings. This podcast is all about feelings. <laughs> Let your feelings out, brother. Um, yeah, it was crazy. I, I mean, like for me, I didn't even know it was a done deal until it was a done deal. I was like, what? I was like, wait, why? Why, why did I miss? Because again, I was at work and like. I get it. My phone starts like buzzing and I'm like, what the? F- oh, okay. This is cool. Um, so you were, you were taken aback, but you, you obviously followed it as it was happening, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, like you said, you didn't see it until it was a done deal. It was about a 20 minute, 30 minute time span of the first, Hey, this might happen. And then it was a done deal. So mm-hmm. it wasn't the course of a day. It was literally, I think I saw it on my, my commute home around, 5 30 and by 6 20 i think it was done so um you know it happened really quickly but apparently i read an article on on sports illustrated uh that went into this whole process and uh apparently they've been having these conversations for six weeks that's the thing too like we don't we don't see it we just see for especially for me i just saw it at the very end but like we don't see what goes on behind the lines you know when these things happen they're they're ongoing like you have to know that people are like on the phone constantly talking about like hey can we get this guy? What's it going to take? And they're not just doing it with one team either. They're going around the league, which is surprising when you find out that Blake Griffin had no idea. And he found out through Twitter that he was traded, which is a really shitty thing to do to your player. A player who you just listen. I'm not defending the 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 Clippers in, in any way on this. I, I understand what they did and I know why they did it. And we'll get to that. But like 
the way they came out and and enticed him to sign that contract and i know everybody's railing against them honestly i don't give a shit whatever you did the thing that you needed to do at that very moment in order to get what you needed at that very moment and then you change your mind a lot of guys changed in that front office since since they put up the banner and told him he was going to retire there but the thing is you treated him like your star you put him on billboards you put him everywhere in clipperland and he was your guy and he's a goddamn good player and to go from that to like him finding out on twitter that he was traded that's rough, man. Can you imagine being in his position? I, I couldn't imagine. You know, I think he seemed, even when he first arrived in Detroit, that he was still kind of shell-shocked by everything. So um, I, I couldn't imagine, obviously, because I've never been a franchise anything. Um, <laughs> you know. Well, you're my franchise guy. How's hey, that? there it is. Uh, <laughs> so just don't let me go via Twitter. Um, <laughs> I'll never let you go, David. That sounds. But uh, no, I, I, uh, I mean, I couldn't imagine. And apparently, Doc Rivers didn't know until it was a done deal either, um, which is pretty surprising because he's, you know, now since been stripped of the the president of basketball operations title, which yep. the GM reports into. So you know, this was all going down without him even knowing about it until you know until pretty much it was a done deal. Right. Which tells you a lot about how, like, it went from this summer where he had the control of everything to, you know, oh, hey, Doc got stripped of his his title. But there was some speculation about, OK, maybe it wasn't like maybe it's just he still has some power. Maybe this is just like for the public. It's just a face change. But no, no, no. He's he's definitely been stripped of all that power. I don't think he's going to be there next year, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, so, yeah, it's very surprising, man. So speaking of like, you know speaking of surprises and how this all went down and your feelings. We'll talk about your feelings, but considering Blake's contract and considering his injury history and his age, I mean, he's only 28, but he's going to be 29 in March. Did they give up too much for him? Is this a win for the Pistons? I think this is a win for the Pistons. Um, And I say that with the reality that, I don't think many teams in this league are going to be actually vying for a championship in this four window span in which you have Blake Griffin under contract. So, I mean, they have him the rest of this season, but full four seasons, you know, starting next season, that's how much time he has left on his contract. I think it's going to be Warriors to lose up until, you know, maybe three years from now. You know, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. see that window being. Um, you know, I, th- I think that the windows line up pretty, pretty accurately there. But so I, I think in the sense, if you're, if I'm viewing this as a move to inject life into the team, to make a much better product on your television sets and in stadium and to have a legitimate playoff team for this span in which you have Blake Griffin, I think that that's a win for Detroit. Even, you know, it's not my money at the end of the day. I I understand that it is going to be difficult for the Pistons to pretty much bring in really any outside talent outside of the draft and, you know, mid-level exceptions and vet minimum type of players. Um, So, you know, they are going to have to get a a little lucky and they're really going to have to depend on the guys that they've drafted, the young guys like Luke Kennard and Stanley Johnson to take a pretty big step up soon. So, you know, I, I understand that there's plenty of, of negatives and there's scares with the injury history, but but I do think the injury thing is it's not necessarily overblown because he hasn't played, you know, more than 67 games in the past three seasons or something like that. Um, 
but a lot of those injuries are pretty fluky. Like, he had, like, a broken toe, which was, you know, that's an acute injury. He had the hand from the training staff moment. Yeah, that, that broke over somebody's face. That's a pretty – that's an acute injury, too. You wouldn't yeah. expect that one to happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not like a systemic, like, you know, it's not a, a chronic type of injury or, or something like that. You know, the, the, the biggest injury was the one that kept him out from his rookie year, and that was eight years ago at this point. So I don't think that there's really yeah. any too much concern about that particular, you know, that happening again. But But I think – Yes, there's concern, but I do think you do have to put some of these injuries into perspective and how they happened and and that they were, you know, pretty fluky and you got to hope that he's a little bit more lucky moving forward. Yeah. So injuries aside, how do you feel about the contract? So all right, let me let me also say this. Like I was talking to to James Hollis last night on the Dunktales podcast. It's a shameless drop, I know, I'm sorry. But I was mentioning that like we talked about this trade a little bit and I said that I think for Detroit the way in which it's a win is When's the last time they Detroit had a superstar player, right? Who was the last one? I know they had the guys in 2005, but that was a group. That wasn't just one guy. I don't think people were really filling the seats to see Ben Wallace play. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he was they, awesome. They were. They, they led the league in, in attendance for like four seasons. Um, right. Well, yeah, but they were, I mean. It was fair. the team okay. that they were seeing. But it was a team that they yeah. were there to see. Right, exactly. And I can't think of the last singular player that they had on that team that would put butts in the seats. They just moved into this new arena who has what the second to worst attendance in the league. Yeah. Percentage. Even, yeah. yeah. Even though they're a, a fringe playoff team right now. I mean, just, you know, it's, it's tough. So I guess in that respect, uh, it's a win for them because they got a big name. Like people are going to show up to see Blake. I think, I, I mean, he's exciting. People have gotten to see him in, in LA this whole time. And I think, you know, Pistons fans probably have, with with Andre Drummond and and Blake now it's it's a team that they can root for you know so I think in that respect it was probably a huge win for him but that contract is looming and right now Blake Griffin is a he's still a goddamn good player he's probably still a top twenty player and you know that's 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 a lot to give up if you're if you're the Clippers but if if it's not fitting your timeline and you're trying to to do something else I guess I see why they gave up. I see why they gave up on Blake, but that that contract scares me a little bit. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's a scary contract. It's over the next, let's just see here. I had it pulled up. So over the next four years from 2018 to 2022, they're going to owe him $143 million. You know, it's roughly going to be a $36 million a year contract. That's a lot of cash. Um it's and as I said, it, it's going to hinder their abilities to bring in additional help. So right. they're pretty much the team that you see now is what it's going to be for probably most of this run, unless a, you know another trades made or something like that. Um, but generally speaking, when it comes to free agency, one thing that I do want to put in perspective is that, and you said it just now, the Pistons haven't had a a, a franchise type of you know, guy that really gets butts in the seats that mm-hmm. sells out jerseys since like Grant Hill. That's the last one that they had. They had Jerry Stackhouse and he was great when he was in Detroit, but he still wasn't that guy. Um, the Pistons don't get free agents as is. You look at right. some of their most recent free agent. This is how the Pistons get marquee players and, um, you know, even just above average players like a Tobias Harris is through trades and through the draft. So it's never been their pedigree to be able to actually lure one of these big marquee free agents anyway. So you look at some of their, their free agent acquisitions. John Lohr, Boban Marjanovic, um, Anthony Tolliver, 
You know, Reggie Bullock. Oh, no, Reggie Bullock came in a trade. But, you know, those are the types of guys that they've been able to sign organically. So, you know, I do understand that it's going to hinder them. But who's who else is going to be coming knocking on the door to be like, hey, I really want to go to Detroit and play basketball there. It's like, no, because they haven't been that great of a team over the past eight years. And they're, you know, they're in Detroit. It's not the sexiest market for a lot of people. So, you know, I think that that has to be put in perspective as well. Yeah. The only other thing I was going to say is I feel I kind of feel terrible for for Blake because this is a shit trade for him. He's an L.A. guy. He's like funny. He's in commercials. He goes from hanging out with like A-list celebrities to now he's going to be hanging out with Juggalos. It's, you know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> you watch your mouth. You, first of all, you watch your mouth. Don't you tell me you're a juggalo. I will lose all respect No, for I'm you. not a juggalo. I don't care right. about, I don't care right. about them. But, no offense um, to any juggalos out there. I, I have yeah, a friend from college I mean, I, who's. I like Fago. I like Fago soda, <laughs> or as they would say in Michigan, Fago pop. Um, you know, rock and rise my jam. I'm, I'm here for you, Detroit. I am from Detroit. Uh, so. No, uh, I no, it is, but but someone I saw some sort of tweet out there that, and this is great content, but um, <laughs> but but someone said <laughs> something the along the lines of like this could be one of the best moves for for Blake Griffin's basketball career. It's right. going to strip down his outside interest quite a bit, um, and it's going to make him focus on basketball. And someone compared it to Chris Webber when he went to Sacramento. Like mm-hmm. that's all you can do is focus on basketball. Um, and, and it's not necessarily yet. He's, as I said, he still looks shell-shocked. I can see how that would be a difficult trade for him. But he already has a, an, an outstanding relationship with Andre Drummond. They've known each other and have hung out over the last like couple years during the summertime. Uh, Reggie Jackson as well. They spend a lot of time together. So it's not like he's moving to a completely foreign team where he doesn't really know anyone. There's already relationships that have been established there. So I think that's at least comforting for him. And the city is going to love Blake Griffin. They already sold yeah. out of 300 jerseys in the first. They somehow got 300 jerseys in that matter of time <laughs> and they sold them all out in, in the Off very the back first of a game. truck <laughs> and and for this first game as well it was the highest rated tv um you know watched game for the pistons in like eight years or something like that since like the pistons like since the going to work pistons were in the playoffs so it, yeah. it he's gonna feel the love at least yeah man it's a huge get for them in that respect as far as the you know, like the franchise goes that's huge for them and and listen, I agree with you. I think Blake still has a lot of good years. He's in his prime right now, barring injury. Hopefully, you know, hoping that he doesn't really sustain a major injury, which you you hope about every guy in the NBA. But I think he's got a bunch of good years ahead of him. And you're right. Maybe this does force force him to focus more on playing because he's not going to be hanging out with celebrities all the time. I mean, but honestly, the guys are traveling so much anyway. They're they're only in the city half the time, right? Yeah. No, that's true. But, and. And one thing to note about his contract is one last thing I wanted to, to note. He's going to be 32 at the end of it. He's not going to be 36. Right. Like, this isn't that middle contract. He's still in his biological prime right now. Yes, mm-hmm. he has lost a little bit of explosiveness, but he's a hell of an athlete still. Yeah. Um, and the best athlete, not athlete, I guess, because I think Andre Drummond's maybe a bit bit more explosive than than Blake Griffin, but that's two different types of players. He's just a type of guy that the Pistons haven't had that you can throw the ball and say, go get me a bucket right now or mm-hmm. take over this game right now. Yes, Reggie Jackson have done that, has done that in the past. Like in I was fourth just quarters. about to say, I remember you saying the same thing about Reggie last year. <laughs> but that's like a, it's, like a, it's a situational thing for Reggie. Right, it's like a right. fourth quarter type of thing. It's something where you can give him the ball in clutch moments. And, and I would still you know probably want to defer to Reggie 
uh, in those types of moments just because he's a point guard and he can kind of dictate things a little bit easier. But Blake is a type of guy where you can give it to him on a nightly basis and be a 20-point per sorry, point-per-game scorer, and I don't remember the last time the Pistons had a 20-point-per-game scorer. You know, it's been since before the going-to-work days. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Reggie, that was going to be my next question. What does this mean for him? Like, he already knows, I think everyone knows, and I think he's he's come to grips with the fact that he's not the franchise guy that he was hoping he was going to be when they traded for him. Um, and I, I don't know if it's going to... Do you think there's going to be some personality problems there? Do you think it's going to rub him the wrong way that they brought somebody in, uh, you know, like to be that guy? And you think he'll he'll get bothered by the fact that maybe he feels like he's gotten passed up? Do you think they're going to try and move him for somebody who fits the team better or who can stay on the court? And as you already mentioned, you know, having Blake's contract does kind of limit them from what they can do financially. But, you know, what do you think about the Reggie thing? So I, I think just to answer your first part of the question – I don't think he's going to have too much of an issue with Blake Griffin being the guy. I think he's been pretty humbled over these past two seasons with the injuries and, um, you know, just having a better understanding of, of how the league works a bit and, and just a, a sense of maturity since he is older than he was, you know, three years ago when he was in Oklahoma City. Um, so I don't really think that that's going to be an issue. I think he's probably a bit more excited than anything else because I think Blake's going to help him open up his game mm-hmm. quite a bit more because you actually have someone that's very dynamic of a basketball player that can operate on his own, that can you know get your assist numbers up, that can find you in open spots. Blake Griffin is a phenomenal passer. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something that's going to excite him. I think it almost kind of gives him a little bit more of legitimacy like hey now I have my big three in his mind you know I have Andre who's his like him and Reggie are boys um Blake now I think that that's something that excites him and at the beginning of this season Reggie was the third option on offense during the Pistons you know first month and a half two months of the season anyways it was Tobias Harris who was getting the most shots and Avery Bradley second Reggie was deferring quite a bit then and he would they was taking him out of the sort of dribble heavy pick and roll type of basketball giving Andre Drummond it at the top of the at the top of the key and letting you know off ball action run through Andre Drummond so he was already deferring quite a bit and playing really well before he went down with an ankle injury right now Um, well you asked one more question I did want to just answer that go ahead I think the Pistons will be listening to Reggie Jackson trade offers as long as Reggie Jackson is under contract so I wouldn't be shocked if they moved him I just don't see them necessarily um, attaching too much with him to to get him out of town for, you know, uh, what they might feel is like a lesser point guard or something like that. So or or just an even an equal. So um, I do think that there is a chance that they re-sign him because it's harder to bring in external money than it is to re-sign your guys. I don't really know like the cap restrictions, but I know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't come to me for your cap questions. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so I, I don't really know what the Reggie thing, but I think that he, he's pretty excited. All right. That answers all my questions. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Adios. <laughs> no, I'll see you later. Uh, I was just going to ask, what do you think of uh, who did they else? Who else did they get in the trade? Willie, Willie Reed, Willie, Willie Green, Willie, help me out. <laughs> Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Willie Reed. <laughs> I'm actually, a, and I say this even though I couldn't remember his fucking name, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Willie Reed fan. I think that kid has got some potential. He's springy as hell. Uh, he, can, he can get you putbacks and dunks like a motherfucker. I, he's, oh, sorry. 
No, I should just watch my my language. I'm sure kids all over the place listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> and they definitely know who Willie Reed is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't um, know. what he, I, I, I know you gave up Tobias Harris. And, like, I'm just lukewarm on Tobias Harris. I, I think he's a fine player. Um, I, and I think he's good for 20 – you know, he's 25 years old and he, can, he has room to grow. I don't think he's ever going to be anything special. But he's also one of those rotation guys or can be – you're a starter, an important starter on a, on a good playoff team. Like, he can be your fourth option or your third option. But um, what do you think about giving him up for Willie Reed I don't, or, and Blake Griffin? I mean, do you think you're going to miss him at all? Because it's, it's, the thing is, it's like a guy like that is going to be hard to replace when you don't have that much cap space anymore. No, I, I was a big fan of Tobias. He's grown his game every single uh, season. He's now participating in the three-point contest where people used to think that he couldn't even shoot threes. You know, now he's above 40% for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Tobias was a, a, a awesome guy to have in that locker room. Um, just like a true pro's pro. Very young still. But at the same time, the Pistons got the better player. And one thing that, that you know you hear about when you hear this Blake Griffin trade dissected is that, well, next season, Tobias Harris is only due $14 million or $15 million. So, okay, so that's next season. You traded for him. That means you traded for his services, most likely, if you're the Clippers. Um, or somebody will be trading for his services if the Clippers end up moving him as well. Mm-hmm. But but generally speaking, someone is going to pay that man $20 million plus when he is a free agent. He's going to net that in the open market. There's no doubt about it. He's been growing his game every single season. He's up to 18 points per game on 40% from three, and he's a true three. Like, he's not the best defender, but Mm -hmm. someone is going to pay him that much money. So it's not like the Depistons just, you know, only we're going to be paying the $6 million to Avery Bradley left on his deal and the $14 million, and that's all that they were kind of like there was future money that was possibly going to be invested into these guys that they escaped. So I'm yeah. okay with that. Although I am a big fan of Tobias Harris and I think that he's going to play really well wherever he ends up, you know, this season, next season or and after that. All right. Good. Fair enough. But you're right. I, you know, like we we talk about the money that they they brought back, but we don't talk about what was going to be their option. They would either have to sign Tobias Harris to big money or they were going to have to let him go. And then so you get nothing. So yeah, it's a valid point. Um, let's move on from that topic. What do you, do you <laughs> Stan Van is still basically the president of basketball operations, right? Yeah. As well 100. as a coach. So this yep. was totally, this was totally his baby. How much this, of this do you think was about him saving his job? And do you think now that that, that got Blake, if this doesn't work, his, his ass has got to be on the hot seat, right? I think this trade locked in Stan Van Gundy living out his contract last next season will be the last year of his contract. From there, if he gets re-signed, um, that's that's a different topic, I guess. But I think that if let's say the Pistons don't make the playoffs this season, I still think Sam Van Gundy's going to have a job next year, um, and I think that they're going to give him this year or, or that full season of Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and hopefully a healthy Reggie Jackson to really see what this team is about, knowing that everything derailed from this team as soon as Reggie Jackson went down. That team was, you know, in the, the third spot in the East or fourth spot in the East. They were six games above 500, hitting the easiest stretch of their schedule, uh, you know, at that point in the season. So I think that there is some context there that, that needs to be, you know, provided, but not saying that Stan has done just a stellar job. Um, he's definitely made some errors, but I still think that he's going to be able to live it out. All right. 
Fair enough. Sorry, by the way, I need to apologize to you. I'm a little bit distracted because you're on one screen and the Sixers are playing on another. <laughs> What's the score? I, I wanted to watch that game. I was wondering. I thought, like, damn, Joe, you're bringing me on at 8 o'clock on a Friday and the Sixers have the ESPN game. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, the Sixers are leading, I think it's 32 to 29 or something like that, which is great. But you know what? I went to their game against the, the Nets on Wednesday night with my wife. It's the first game she's ever been to. It took, took my wife. She finally agreed to go with, with me to a game. Unfortunately, I sat. we sat so far in the nosebleed sections, our backs were against the wall. We were at the very top of the arena. <laughs> and Barclays is a beautiful arena, by the way. But every time I go see Sixers play... They lose. I've never seen them win, except for one time in the, in the in the um, preseason. They beat the Pistons. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> preseason yeah, win exactly. against the Pistons, baby. Yeah. Every other time I've seen the Sixers play, they have lost. So I apologize to every Sixers fan out there right now. It's my fault they lost the other night. They shouldn't have. And and Ben Simmons is amazing live. So is Joel Embiid. But Ben Simmons was killing it in the first half. It was crazy. You don't um, mess with the mayor, though. You do not get the mayor upset with Spencer Dinwiddie. Not on his home court. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. He went <laughs> off. He went off. Um, all right. Here's my here's my hundred million dollar question to you about the Pistons. And by the way, I've talked more about the Pistons this year than I ever intended to. <laughs> They're the nine seed right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's so, dude. I have to talk about the Pistons all the time, every single week. I write about them every single week. Yeah, it's it, painful for me at times. You I can know? imagine. I'm <laughs> like, you know, it's funny because like I I try and go around the league, and going around the league is nearly impossible because you can't pay attention to one team the way you can to all the teams. I mean, you can't pay attention to all the teams the way you can hone in on one team. Like, if you love a team, I'm a fan of the Sixers. I watch every game. I study their play on the court. I try and go see them live. Uh, and I try and pay attention as much as I can to every other team around the league. And, you know, a lot of them are very fun to watch. I watch a lot of Oklahoma City, probably way more than I should, and every other team that I can catch. Um, but it's got to be really tough honing in on just one team because when there's, not going, when there's nothing going on or when they went on that losing skid uh, just before they got Blake, like, that must have been really difficult for you. Yeah, so it's something where – it was so bad because you would still be watching games because you have to, you have to analyze, you have to write, you have to cover the team for the podcast. Um, it would make me not want to watch any more basketball. It, uh. it, you know, there'd be times where it's like, I just, I'm so basketballed out right now. And like all these other teams are playing really well. Like, I don't want to see the Wizards smash some team right now. Yeah. Um, hurting Detroit's playoff chances. Cause I am still a fan of this team um, and try to be as objective as, as I can. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, it, it can be difficult, but at the same time, I feel like I know this team, you know, I feel like I know what they run or I do know what they run and, and I know the, the dynamics between the players and, and that makes it easier in a certain sense where I think it would be more difficult for me to try to cover multiple teams. I see people who write about like three different teams mm -hmm. all at once. And, and I think it, it's hard enough for me just to to really just hone into one and then I just casually watch like a fan when I'm watching the rest of the games but when I'm watching Pistons games it's more you know analytical and you know the stakes seem a little bit higher because it's something that you're more invested into right for sure yeah, that emotional investment is what makes sports so great um but my hundred million dollar question for you do they make the playoffs this year do you think the Pistons are going to make the playoffs if you asked me that three days ago I would have said mm, probably not um, 
you say now, I think there's a pretty strong chance that they do. Um, they're a one game back from the, the Sixers right now. And I'm not saying that they're going to make it in over the Sixers. I think that there's a lot of looming questions with, you look at the Bucks who just lost Malcolm Brogdon for six to eight weeks with mm-hmm. the torn labrum. Um, you look at the, the Wizards who have won, I think a couple games since John Wall's been out, but you never really know what's going to happen with, with, you know, the Wizards. They haven't played very consistently I, this entire season. I'm going to posit a theory that John Wall's been injured a lot longer than we thought, and they're actually going to play way better without him. Uh, just saying. I mean, overall, they're probably not better without him, but right now, I think Bradley Beal, like James talks about this all the time, Bradley Beal is probably the best player. They need to focus on him more than Wall, but whatever. Go on. Um, yeah, and just looking at the, the standings right now, Detroit is, I believe, they are... Three games back of the – they're four and a half games back of the five seed. Um, so – and actually the four seed. There's 30-something-odd games left to this season. And you and I know from from covering this league for – you know, I've been doing it for three years now and uh, however long you've been doing it. But that March stretch, that like March, early April stretch is – Things change a lot in between lot. that time. Teams crawl up. Teams, you know, teams that you thought were put to bed, like you know, even like the Knicks, who are six mm-hmm. games under five hundred right now. You never know with the team that they can actually just go on a little bit of a run, hit a favorable schedule, just kind of find their groove. And I think you know the Pistons added Blake Griffin. This is a guy that averages twenty four points per game, five assists, and nine rebounds to you know an all star in Andre Drummond, and then you get Reggie Jackson playing healthy. Um, or being healthy and hopefully playing well, that's going to be a completely different question whether or not he actually does that. Mm-hmm. But if that's the scenario, I think that there's quite a bit of talent there, and I think that they could etch their way into one of those bottom two seeds. Well, good luck to them. <laughs> <laughs> and and no, no, no hate on, on, on the Sixers or anything, but this is a team that's very young. Yeah. They're 500 right now. They haven't gone through that stretch and you know, felt the disappointment or felt the triumphantness of you know making it to to the playoffs. So you never know with with a young group how they're going to be able to hold their composure. Especially you know they're not a team that's five six games over five hundred. They're, they're even right now. So you know it, it's you're talking about the Sixers now, right? Talking about the Sixers, yeah, right. I I don't think you could talk about how they haven't experienced disappointment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that thing I think they got covered. The not rest of it maybe not so much. Not when they're no. on the floor. Not with their when they're on the floor competing though. You know, that's, not as a unit. Right, right, right. That's true. Um, you want to go around the league a little bit, a little bit with me, real quick? Let's do it. All right. You want to talk about the uh, the, the Meritage trading? The Meritage trade. Excuse me. I have to stop drinking whiskey every time I talk to you. <laughs> I want you to drink more whiskey when you talk. All right, done. <laughs> uh, so Miritich was traded from the Bulls to, it's escaping me right now, New Orleans Pelicans, and they got back. I think they traded, uh, you know, I should have I should have prepared for this and looked it up a little bit, but just got home from work. Uh, they, I think they traded a first-round pick, and um, they got, uh, what's his face, uh, Ashik, which I think uh, for, Omar for Ashik, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashik, yeah. For Pelicans, this is actually a big a big win for them because not only did they get a really good a quality player in in Miritich, they also got rid of Ashik's contract, Ashik's contract, which was an albatross around the team's neck for a long time. What do you think of this trade? Um, 
I'm saddened that it had to happen in the sense that I don't think if they still had Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins on this team, that they would have necessarily pulled this trigger attaching a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. I think I think somebody said something along the lines of, the Pelicans must really hate rookies um, because <laughs> they just trade away all of their picks. Um, so you got to be a literal fear, fearful of what they're going to be able to do um, you know, long-term uh, in building around Anthony Davis and, and making a point to keeping him. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. They did get rid of a pretty bad contract with uh, with Miritich. He still is owed twenty two million dollars. That's insane. Not Miritich. You mean you mean Asha? Oh, sorry, sorry, Asha. Asha yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still due do twenty two million dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, Which uh, for the for, for the Bulls, I don't know why the hell you take on. I mean, I get I, I get why you take on that contract, but that that the return was not enough for that that contract. For me, they might get a lottery pick out of that. They might get another lotto pick, and and this is a Bulls team that they know that they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I like this Wait, for the so Bulls. The, the only reason, they, the only way they get a lottery pick is if is if the Pelicans finish outside of the playoffs. Which adding Miritich, I think, is going to help them a lot. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's fine. Go on. What were you going to say? I, I guess I don't. I don't think the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs. I think that the fact that they were, you know, kind of flirting with that possibility with. DeMarcus Cousins in the rotation. I don't think if you're adding a Nicholas Mirtich who or Nikola Mirtich who's had some some good moments and some also really really poor moments. He's had a great season so far this year. Right. But I don't necessarily think that that's a slam dunk. But he does provide spacing which they need. He's a big body. He can offensive rebound. Um, you know, he's a heady player, not a great defender. Um, maybe that allows Anthony Davis to shine a little bit more. Um, but I think that there's a, a high, there's a there's a possible chance that the Bulls get a lottery pick. I think that's what they were kind of, you know, that's their best case scenario, obviously, in this trade. So they paid twenty two million dollars um, for a low lottery pick. I mean, it's it's whatever. You got to do what you got to do, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's ironic to be how they traded away their pick yeah. for for mil- for cash, uh, yeah. you know, with the Warriors. Um, yeah, it's and that was a really good pick because um, is it Bell? Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell looks really good. But again, he's on the You would Warriors. look good on the Warriors. Every, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, better than I already look. Uh, whatever. Hey. Hey-o. Um, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> I always I always do that, and then you do it, is what yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think for the Pelicans, like, they had to do something. They had yeah. to still try and make that push for the playoffs. I don't hate this for them, and I think if they can't sign Boogie – the thing about Boogie's injury, too, man, is, like, the Achilles – for a big guy, that's that's tough. I don't know. I'm hoping he can come back and be healthy. And you know, James made a good point. Sorry to 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 prop up the dunk tails again, but Boogie, your power comes from your leg, and he's a driver to the rim. He has really nifty moves, but it's all in his feet. And if his Achilles doesn't heal, that's going to be tough. Uh, in the Pelicans' favor, they they might be able to get him for less than the max now, so that would work. But and I could see them working Miritich in as well. They had to guarantee the second year of his contract or the last year of his contract in order to get him. But I think you could have Miritich coming off the bench or, or put him in at three if you want to go for a really big lineup. And I think that's that adds them that adds to that team next year if Boogie can come back healthy. I don't I, and if they can re-sign Boogie, you know. Um, but even if they don't, if if Miritich Miritich seems to me like he would be a better fit alongside Anthony Davis anyways because he can stretch the floor. Well, actually, Boogie could too. But Boogie's more of the post guy, and Miritich can sort of just hit every shot 
So it, it adds a little bit more spacing. I think it'll actually work pretty nicely. The defense isn't going to be there, like you mentioned, but I don't hate this trade for them. And they had to do something. They're also hamstringed with, with cap, and they have nowhere else to go. They have a bunch of nobodies on the bench. And Drew Holiday continually underperforms, although he's playing a lot better, and I, I'm a big Drew guy. But I, I like this trade for the Pelicans' perspective just because what you just said. They needed to do something. Right. They need to make the playoffs. Like This yeah. is a, a playoff now mode mood, move. Excuse me. Um, and you're right. You know They were able to escape some bad salary, so it, it, it hurts to trade the first-round pick, but... At the same time, they were they were hogtied. They had to do something, and they did something. So I think that this was a good trade for both teams. Let's do one more. We'll talk about one more thing that happened, which was uh, Moose <laughs> Moose to uh, to the Celtics. They they got oh fuck, what's his name? <laughs> Greg Monroe. <laughs> Greg Monroe. Thank you, Greg Monroe. I don't know why I'm just calling him Moose because I can't fucking think of his goddamn name. Dude, let me tell you something. Right, and, and I'm just going to be serious with you. Don't get old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't. There's no way I'm making it past 30. <laughs> good, good. I mean, I'll miss you, but fuck. This is horrible. <laughs> I can't remember anything. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Jesus Christ, I almost said DeMarcus Cousins. Greg Monroe. Thank you, Greg Monroe. Got, he went to the Celtics, and uh, I don't know. What do you think of the? What do you think of this move? What do you think of uh, the Suns cutting him? I, I, I even like everyone else around the league totally forgot that Greg Monroe was even on the Suns at this point. But they, they bought him out, and he went to the Celtics. I like it for actually Greg Monroe for sure. I, I actually kind of like it for the Celtics too, which makes me so fucking angry. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I live in this city. I live in Boston. That's so, true. Um, you must you know, be overwhelmed by assholes. I'm just, I listen, no offense, Boston. I, you know, you guys are great, great fans. I'm not talking shit, but I hate your team. <laughs> um, yeah. The, Boston fandom's strange. It's weird. Cause it's, it's, it's a split of fandom. It's the old heads are super superstitious. They are, they think everything's rigged. Everything is has already been predetermined, or they feel they still have this like looming curse feeling over them, even though they've won countless titles in mm. you know, oh, every, the luck of the Irish, and yeah, <laughs> in, in every single sport. Yeah. Um, but the young fans are super, you know, provoso about everything. Super, they're just cocky. They've never lost. They've never grown up with losing teams. They only know winning and that's how they act and it's so obnoxious. So it's definitely a weird split of fandom when you see in this city. Um, but for talking about Greg Monroe here obviously, mm-hmm. I, I there's nothing not to like about this for the Celtics. Greg Monroe is a bucket getter. He's a guy that you yeah. put in that second unit and you give him the ball on the, on the post and you let him go to work. You know, second unit's don't always have the same type of fluidity and rhythm that the first units have. Lots of times, you know, you're working with, um, you know, kind of staggered lineups. You're just, you know, riding out hot hands or if a guy's playing pretty poorly, he's going to be at the end of the bench. And then you kind of just, you know, you filter and you add in guys when you feel necessary. I think Greg Monroe is that perfect type of guy, especially for a a second unit. That's not suit. Not very big uh, on Boston. Um, 
and he's just a proven commodity. You know, you you know what you're gonna get out of Greg Monroe. He gives you good effort. He actually played really solid defense last year in the playoffs. Yeah. He um, doesn't get enough credit for that, honestly. Yeah, he and he works hard at it, and, and he's a rebounder. And he, and he I was gonna mention the rebounding. The, yeah, yeah, go he's ahead. I I've seen Greg Monroe. I've watched him for years in Detroit. Um, now is his game a little? antiquated is it something that you probably wouldn't have as your third option or second option in the starting lineup yeah but is it a guy that you can put into a game when you need scoring and it's getting tight it's the playoffs it's a guy that can get to the free throw line that's greg monroe and that's an awesome pickup for for the celtics and i'm happy for greg monroe because i I didn't want to see him wither away in the desert um no offense to tim Tompkins if he's listening to to this one Nobody um, listens to this podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I, I think that that's something that uh, I think that's great. I think that's a good pickup for for them. And you know, yeah, Boston just can't. They can't. They'll stub their toe into like a solid draft pick or a awesome acquisition in free agency or this type of move. Like this is just yeah. how things work for the Celtics. The the thing about Greg Monroe is when, when the Bucks picked him up, they were expecting him to be a superstar. They were or not even a superstar, but they were expecting him to be that next level guy that was going to get him all kinds of buckets and he was going to go to work in the post. And that's what they were going to build around. him. Like, he's not that guy. Like he's a really good, he's a solid player and he got shit on a ton. He's not a superstar. He's not a star, but in it, in Brad Stevens system, in a system like that that can make everybody better, he's going to thrive. Imagine a lineup with him and Horford, like when Horford can be on the play the four and he can stretch out and you got two guys now that can that can get you buckets in crunch time. Like you can pair him with Aaron Baines and they can go super big and they can get all kinds of rebounds and then he can still get buckets down low. Like I think it gives them a lot of versatility. I think it's going to be huge for them in the playoffs, especially when the game slows down and everything does run a lot slower in the half court. He's going to be valuable then. And as you mentioned, his defense was vastly improved last year. He got a ton of criticism for not playing any defense, and he turned it around. He worked really hard at it. Super happy for the guy. I think landing in Boston for him is a dream. I mean, for the team and for him. And it's like... As you were just mentioning, like it's a, it's a, it's a, what is it? A, a glut of riches, I guess, for the Celtics. They just keep yeah. locking into these guys. You have to give. Listen, I shit on Danny Ainge like crazy when he was making all those draft picks that didn't pan out. He's actually hit the ball out of the park a ton lately, and this is just another one of those those gets for him. He's a really good GM, man. I hate to admit it. I'm still not like rah rah Celtics guy, but if you're a Celtics fan, you should be freaking happy as hell. Yeah, I, I, you know, this is this is a perfect move for Greg Monroe. This is a team that wants him. This is a team that needs him. This is a team that's going to utilize his skill sets and find him in favorable matchups. And they're going to not rely on him too much. So he's not going to be out there on an island. He's just going to be able to kind of lock down and provide for that team what he has to do. You know, we're talking about this. Greg Monroe was put into the starting lineup in, in the Bucks playoff series, you know, he was, mm-hmm. I think they made some adjustments with, I think they took Don Maker out and put Greg Monroe in. If, if, if I believe that was one of their moves that they made when they were battling it out with the Toronto Raptors. Don't ask um, me questions like this. I just told yeah, you how but, bad my memory is. No, but Greg Monroe <laughs> is, he was, and it's, it is a little ironic. Just a couple yeah. seasons later, he was one of the, free, in that free agency year, that was the year before everything went banana. So I think mm-hmm. that must have been 2015. Yeah. It was that year when, when before the money went out the roof. 
and he was one of like the top three guys uh, as a free agent. He had meetings with the Lakers. I think yep. he had meetings with the Spurs. He had meetings with the Bucks, and you know he went to go play with Giannis, and you know it, it didn't work out for him there, but it's going to work out for him in Boston and you know, good for them and, and, and good for good for Greg Monroe. That's really all I can say about that. Totally. I really wanted him to go to New Orleans cause I thought he would have been great next to Anthony Davis. I just thought, I thought he would have been able to operate way more in the post with having Anthony Davis play, play the four and stretch, stretch it out. Um, I, I thought it would have been a really nice pairing, but apparently, you know, why would you choose New Orleans, which is a basically fringe French, like fringe, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, playoff. Yeah, French playoff. That's not the one I was going for, but yeah, they have French playoff franchise. He's from New Orleans, though. He's he's born and raised there. There's another reason not to go there. I know everybody's always like, "Oh, you want to go home and play for your team?" No, you don't. You never <laughs> want to go back home. <laughs> no, <laughs> Nothing no, no, but I... trouble waits for you at home, man. He always played well in New Orleans when he was yeah, in Detroit. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to see. I think that would I think that would have been that would have been great for them because even if they didn't get Demarcus Cousins back healthy next year, and, and assuming they sign him. They still had Greg Monroe, and he's he's a you know a way lesser Demarcus Cousins, but eh, it it would have been nice. But he landed on the Celtics, and it's it's all good. Let me ask you a question. Sure. So, yes, so I'm always picture. this handsome. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> but big picture, do you think that this move moves the needle at all when it comes to Boston's chances at taking out the Cavs in the Eastern Conference? Here's the thing. I think the only thing that that changes the Cavs' chances of getting to the finals and playoffs is the Cavs. I don't think anybody else is going to. Actually, I know this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I think the team that's built best to take it to the Cavs and maybe get to the championship or to the finals is actually the Raptors, because that team's deep and they're young and they're 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 feisty. Uh, they have a bench. They have a you know they have a deep bench. I I honestly I I really do not want to bet against LeBron until he proves me that he can't do it. But dude, everyone's saying it. This is the worst we've ever seen the Cavaliers look since LeBron's been back. It's just it just. I mean, we say this now. I say this now. They look terrible, and in two weeks they're going to turn it on and they're going to start blowing teams out again. But I still I have no faith in that roster. So the the Celtics. They can give them problems for sure. And I think if they go and play a series together, they might take two games off of them. But I just don't think that they have the firepower to compete with the Cavs. When you have LeBron James, you need an awful lot of firepower. What do you yeah. think? No, I don't think this moves the needle for, for the Cavs. I, I And I think – or for, for the Celtics. For the I Celtics, think that yeah. this is something that – it's going to be the Cavs to lose. It's just about them kind of finding their gear and honestly deciding what to do with some of their rotations. I think Isaiah Thomas doesn't look right to me. No. Um, he looks like he's kind of limping on every like dead ball. Um, he's not hustling, and I don't think that's necessarily an effort thing. I think it might actually be like a still hip issues. The yeah, Pistons, he was not ready to come back, man. The Pistons were up by 16 on the Cavs with about three minutes left. And that was the day that they traded Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley. So they didn't have Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Reggie Jackson, John Lure, who's still on that team, 
or Blake Griffin or any of the other Clippers that they had just traded for. They were depleted and super short in their bench, and they <laughs> beat the brakes off the Cavs. Yeah. Um. It, it, two days later, after after having lost to them by you know double digits, so I think that I, there is some concern with this Cavs team, and I think a lot of it has to do with you know honestly the guys that they traded for. Yeah. Um, Think about you this. I, I say this all the time. Take LeBron off that team. Is that team even making the playoffs? Hell no. Exactly. So you got one guy. If they go into the playoffs and he's not feeling 100% or if he's just run down because he's carrying a huge load. That Kevin Love's a nice player. Isaiah Thomas, while he's injured, is a nice player. I mean, if he can get back 100%, he's a good player. Kevin Love and Isaiah Thomas are not taking you very far in the playoffs, if they get there at all. Other than that, they got a bunch of old dudes that Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder has been awful. Jay Crowder has been awful. I expected so much more of him, out, you know, out of him this year. Um, anyway, you know what? We've been going for a long time. Maybe we should wrap it up. Yeah, I guess one one thing I wanted to note, and Go this ahead. was from that Sports Illustrated article, um, just bringing it back to the Pistons and the Blake Griffin thing, because I'm still. I am officially stoked about oh, yeah. this. I don't know if you can I, tell. I forgot to ask um, you about your feelings. Tell me about your feelings about this whole thing. I want to hear oh, about yes. your feelings. And, I, and then, I, I, I'm happy. This okay. is the best player that the Pistons have had on their team in a very, very long time. Um, this is a, a guy that, that commands respect um, from the refs. He commands respect from people that he's playing against. He gives a great effort and he just has an all around game when it comes to he's shooting, you know, around league average 34% from three on six attempts per game this year. He can shoot it money from, you know, 18 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can bring the ball up. He's kind of runs that point forward has really solid handles and is one of the best passing bigs in the game. Um, I am very excited to have Blake Griffin on the Detroit Pistons. But what I was going to say was that if these these trade talks did die down and the the Pistons were not able to net Blake Griffin, they were going to set their targets on Kevin Love. And I don't think that that, that would have actually, if this was the same trade and the Pistons brought in Kevin Love, who's truly more of a back-to-the-basket type of guy and a guy that can spot up from three, um, he, he does not provide what the Pistons need, uh, which is a playmaker, a guy that can get to the foul line, and who can space the floor a little bit. Um, so that's, I'm just happy that they were able to net Blake Griffin because if they would have made that same package, go out the door to scoop Kevin love, you would have a very, very depressed guest <laughs> this episode. Not only, and we don't want you depressed, not only that, but like I, as much as a star as Kevin love is his star pales in comparative comparison to Blake Griffin. And like, they definitely got the bigger star. And that means a lot to a franchise who can't really pull people into the seats right now. It's going to be huge. 100% agreed, man. Anyway, David, tell everybody where they can find you, and let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to watch the second half. Yeah. Um, David Fernandez, I'm over at DetroitBadBoys.com. I actually just wrote a piece uh, regarding this trade. It was titled, uh, Landing a Five-Time All-Star for Spare Parts Makes the Blake Griffin Deal a Win for Pistons. I didn't write spare. That wasn't my headline because that's not how the editorial process works. Um, I don't think Tobias Paris is a spare part. But I go over all of these sort of like intrinsic um, positives to this trade uh, just, you know, before even talking, you know, about 100% about basketball type of stuff. So if you want to check that out, check that out. I'm also on uh twitter at the underscore financiala 
And uh, Inside the Cylinder podcast, Detroit Pistons. So if you're a Pistons fan, definitely give us a shout. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, that's going to do it for us. I'm sure I'll talk to you later. I'm I'm not actually going to hang up on you now, but I yeah, no, I'm going to talk to you after yeah. I hit stop recording. All right, so, cool. all right. <laughs> David Fernandez, everybody. Thanks again, David, for coming on. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye bye.